0: You are listening to the Mercy View podcast. Mercy View exists to be a gospel-centered family of missional disciples to the glory of God and for the city's good. For more information about Mercy View, please visit our website at mercyview.com. Now, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Tonight, we're going to continue on in Jude. We will be reading verses 9 and 14 through 16. verse 9 but when the archangel michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of moses he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment but said lord the lord rebuke you verse 14. it was also about these that enoch the seventh from adam prophesied saying behold the Lord comes with ten thousands of His holy ones to execute judgment on all, and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all of the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. It's the word of the Lord.
1: Yeah, you can be seated. Welcome. Good to see you. Welcome to Mercy View. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're visiting with us, I just want to echo Lauren's welcome to you. And thank you for being here uh, this evening. If we can serve you in any way, we'd be honored to do so. Hey, we've uh, been asked uh, some questions over the past few weeks uh, as pastors and elders here at Mercy View uh, about what we're thinking as relates to covid 19 and its continued presence in our community And so I want to uh, just let you know a few things tonight as it relates to that uh, first of all, I want you to know that the the Pastors have been in communication about it uh, pretty intensively over the last couple of weeks in particular uh, but uh, we have uh, Just as you have um, try we're trying to figure out how to best respond to the current reality of of COVID-19 among us. And I just wanna say this first, Um, we as pastors recognize that this is an extremely challenging and difficult time for those in our own church. And some of you have friends and family uh, who uh, this particular uh, time right now that we find ourselves in uh, is really hard for them. the pastors here at Mercy View have dear friends and family and people we're associated with who um, are very concerned uh, because of their risk and, and uh, uh, even struggling with just fear and, and all, all that goes with that. And we just want to affirm that uh, um, we, we understand, to the best of our ability, we understand that and our hearts are broken over that. We grieve over that concern and that fear that, that you may have for yourself or for, for others. And um, if that's you, uh, we are praying for you. We are continuing to pray for you um, on our elder agenda and even on our staff meeting agenda, um, we're putting in people's names that if we, if we know that they've um, tested positive for COVID, we begin to pray for them and ask the Lord to heal them and help them recover. And that is our heart uh, as we move forward. We wanna continue to do that. If that's true for you, if if you find that you have contracted COVID, please let us know, we wanna pray for you. And uh, pray for the Lord's protection for all of us um, as we move forward. And so as the elders have been in, in conversation around the uh, ongoing coronavirus concerns. We want to share with you just real briefly some uh, high-level thoughts as we try to begin to uh, respond to this well. First, this. Uh, as best as we can tell, health professionals are seem to agree, which is, is hard these days, but they seem to agree that, that COVID-19 the variants that that we're seeing that are coming from that virus are going to be with us for the foreseeable future, um, and and part of that is a prayer and a heart's desire to see the the transmissibility of the virus lessen um, over time. Um, we're praying to that end as well, um, but uh, it shouldn't. Uh, be real controversial to say, like, the, the, the virus itself truly is a, a moving target in a lot of ways. Um, it really, if we're honest, always has been. Uh, we don't really know what is ahead. Um, if we're really honest, too, just about life in general, none of us know what's ahead. But um, we understand that as we confront things like the coronavirus, As we try to figure out how best to respond, it's right and good to ask questions and to to think through that and try to think through how best to respond. And I I just wanna say like, as we do that, I want to encourage you to, we we really need to be gracious with one another because it's gonna require flexibility. It's gonna require uh, us to be adaptable. Uh, It's gonna require us to be nimble. Um, And so there's grace and, and humility uh, in the mix uh, uh, as we do that. So naturally, as we think about Mercy View, questions about how to meet together are questions that we're wrestling with. And so obviously this setting, this context, our worship gathering, but other contexts like our, our Mercy View kids and MCs and equip groups, men's and women's ministries, they're all being discussed right now among the the elders with and leaders of those ministries as well. And to this end, the elders are Um, after this service is over, again, we've been meeting and talking offline a lot um, up to this point, but after this meeting, we're going to meet again to kind of flesh out more specifics as it relates to to these gatherings uh, to direct you, whether you're a leader in that ministry or a participant in that ministry, uh, we want to give you some direction. So, second, we want to bring some direction to our worship gatherings um, again, this is a very high level, in particular regarding masks and masking. As you know, back I think in March or April, we as a church decided to not ask you to wear masks. And uh, at the time, I think that was the right decision. And um, we've been asked about what we are going to do um, moving forward as it relates to masks, particularly uh, in this moment that we find ourselves. And after a lot of prayer, a lot of discussion among the elders. Um, the, the best way that we can describe to you what our current protocol is going to be, and this is um, this is true. We just said you know things could change, but uh, we are going to say simply like masks are welcome. And here's what that means: if you if you are vulnerable, if you're at high risk, or you're in a family with someone who's vulnerable or high risk, or you have a personal conviction that to wear a mask protects me and or others, we want you to know that masks are welcome. And if that's something that you wanna do, we want you to know that you can do that here. We do do believe that uh, at this time, with the information that we have, uh, that uh, the the issue of masking is an issue of Christian freedom. And it's uh, something that we wanna ask you to consider doing uh, or not doing according to your conscience, according to what's best for your family. And uh, we also, because of the nature of this and some of the uh, challenges as we navigate this, we wanna really encourage you to be careful and, and really maybe to say this way, we want you to suspend any judgment or draw any conclusions about why someone isn't or, or wouldn't wear a mask or not. But this is a very important key we wanna ask you in an act of charity to consider putting on a mask if you are approaching someone else who has a mask on. Uh, just for what it's worth, um, the leaders, the, the pastors and elders of Mercy View, that's all, gonna be our approach moving forward um, with those that are our mask that we're gonna mask up to, to serve them. Third, this. Um, we understand that for some of you, um, you might have hoped we would head in a different direction. Um, And we just wanna say to you that we respect and understand your conviction and your perspective about this. Uh, But we want to really encourage us, I mean, I think this is one of the things that the Lord could do uh, among us in, in a church where there may be some diversity of opinion about this, for us to follow the Christian imperative to strive for unity, And for love in the midst of disagreement. And as we move forward, we want to encourage everyone here at Mercy View to strive to have what we're going to call a Philippians 2-4 spirit. The thing that is just true right now, we just can't get around it anyway, is there is a spectrum, even in our own church, of belief or understanding or opinion on how to respond to COVID-19 and the health decisions that are connected to that. And we are trying as pastors here to strike the balance in our decision-making with a diversity of people in our church. And we want to ask you to honor that diversity in our church by striving to mutually submit to to one another, or as Philippians 2 says, look to the interests of others. And if the elders can serve you in any way, if, if this sort of this direction that we're headed uh, is one in which you're maybe disappointed by or you have concerns about, we wanna talk to you. We wanna hear from you. And just reach out to us and we'll chat, okay? Fourth, beginning next Sunday, we will be providing masks and we'll have sanitizing stations available again. Um, we, we I was thinking about this, that when we went away from masking, we kind of went away from sanitizing stations as well. And uh, we just wanna give you an opportunity, if again, is something that's important to you to, to have access to a mask, have access to sanitizing. And so next week we'll begin to um, provide those uh, again. We're gonna honor Memorial Baptist who we rent from, what they're doing here in the sanctuary with the ropes and social distancing until, until they change that practice. And we also wanna encourage you to just use common sense um, as it relates to COVID-19. If you have symptoms associated with COVID-19 We want to encourage you to see your doctor and get treated. It's um, Pretty common. I think most most medical professionals agree that early treatment is really important So if, if you sen- sense that you have symptoms, don't try to tough it out and You know, just go to your doctor and 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 maybe get tested and see and, and get start getting treated uh, We don't want to see anyone get sicker than They need to be, we don't wanna see anyone have to go to the hospital because of this. So um, please reach out to your doctor. But in addition, if you do test positive for COVID-19, we want to encourage you to not return to Mercy View until you have recovered. We think those are common sense things. We haven't said that in a while. In fact, I can't remember when we said it last, but uh, we wanna make sure and say that tonight. Lastly, this is a long beginning announcement, I know guys. Thanks for your patience. I would ask that you would continue to pray for your pastors Uh, this is a a really challenging thing to sort of wrestle with even on that that team level Um, we love each other and we're friends and brothers uh, but we you know we've we've had to have some some difficult conversations as it relates to this because we're trying to again strike that balance to serve you really really well our heart is to shepherd you and to, to pastor you towards a bright future. And, and we love you. And and actually, I would say we are being sharpened by the conversations that we're having with you. Um, some, some of you have raised your hand and said, hey, I need to chat about this. And we've been really helped by that. Our aim is to make God glorious in this church. We ask you to join us in trusting that God for his good and perfect and pleasing will but we need your prayers we need your help as we make those decisions in fact I want to pray together if we could real quickly as we think through what we just talked about process this and then we'll jump into our time in Jude let's pray together Heavenly Father we are uh, we are burdened um, by the reality of a of a a virus that's in our culture, in our community, um, that is affecting uh, folks. Uh, in our own community, our own church community, it's um, a concern for those who are uh, vulnerable, and um, uh, our hearts go out to them. We ask God that you would protect them, protect their health, protect them physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, We pray that, God, we would begin to see once again uh, just uh, hopefully this is sort of the last gasp of of the coronavirus. We pray that that would be true according to your will, Lord. We pray that you would be with us as a church as we try to navigate this together. Um, We pray that we would strive for that Philippians 2, 4 spirit with one another, looking at the interests of other people, recognizing the spectrum of diversity here at Mercy View, um, and honoring one another. Lord, we also pray for, um, we ask that you would help us as pastors at Mercy View to be mindful and prayerful and make informed decisions that honor you, but also honor this church as well. God, we we do want to make our aim making much of you. And so we pray that you would help us in the midst of trying to respond well to Coronavirus you would keep our eyes on you and help us to see what you're up to here and join you In the work that you're doing and we do believe there is a bright future A future that you're bringing us into a future that you've prepared for us a a future that you've gone before us to prepare And we want to step into that In the days ahead Thank you lord. We pray this in the name of jesus and everybody said amen Well, hey, uh, we are continuing our series in the book of Jude. Uh, This series is called Detect and Declare, and we are looking at a very relevant uh, word for us uh, in this time that we, we live in. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that the book is attempting to answer the question of how do we know if someone is a false teacher or isn't a false teacher, and one of the things that um, we're trying to do a better job of here at Mercy if wanna do that in the days ahead is to um, have you hear from someone other than me or other preachers uh, up here, someone you know, uh, that, that you may be in an MC with or in a D group with that um, has been personally impacted by God in some way. And last fall, uh, the Nourish team uh, led a study in the book of Jude together. And I heard through the grapevine, a testimony from someone here at Mercy View about how that study impacted them. And I was so blessed by it. And I've been trying to remember to see, like ask this person, would you be willing to share your, your story? And so I, I want you to watch this video. I think you'll be encouraged by it. It's a great setup for where we're headed this evening. So uh, let's check this out right here.
2: Hi, I'm Amy and I'm a partner here at Mercy View. And last year, I had the chance to go through the Jude Bible study written by Jackie Hill Perry with some other women at Mercy View. And so I wanted to share a little bit about how God spoke to me through that Bible study. Um, First of all, whenever the Women's Nourish group announced that they were going to be doing the Jude Bible study, I was really excited to go through it for a few reasons. Um, The first was that I was, at the time, doing a Bible study on my own. And so I wanted to do a Bible study in community with other women. Um, The second reason was because Jude is such an intriguing book of the Bible. It's this tiny little book and it says the weirdest things that you're like, huh? And so I didn't know much about Jude and I wanted to learn what those things actually meant. But finally, I knew that Jude talked about false teachers and so I was eager to be able to learn what Jude had to say about false teachers and what the Bible said about false teachers. So overall, I think I gleaned two main things from doing the Bible study. The first was I just got a better foundation of the book of Jude. I learned who Jude was, um, who he was writing to, when he was writing, why he was writing, um, the context of Jude, which is really helpful. And I think knowing that stuff um, helped me feel more confident in reading that book, but then also my Bible in general. But the second thing I gleaned was um, that God wanted me to be more aware of the teachers that are that I'm exposed to on a regular basis. Uh, before going through those study I was aware, I knew the obvious teachers in my life, my pastors and my church leaders, but I wasn't aware of the less obvious ones um, like the people who wrote the podcast I was listening to, um, the Christian influencers I follow on social media, or the authors of the books that I read. And After doing the Jude Bible study, well, more like midway through actually doing the study, um, I became a lot more aware of the teachers in my life, and my perspective shifted. And I'll give one quick example. Um, About a month before starting the study, I had felt some conviction to learn more about dreams and prophecy. Hadn't really learned much about those things in the church setting. Um, This was before Mercy View did a series on that on those things. Um, But I wanted to learn more about dreams and prophecy and so the first thing I did was I went to Amazon and I searched dreams, prophecy, and the Bible and I picked the first book that I found on Amazon and I purchased it. I didn't do any research on the author and um, I didn't ask for any guidance when I was looking for a book. So then you know a few weeks later I start the Jude Bible study and right away um, as soon as we start talking about false teachers I felt conviction about screening this book Uh, before really digging into reading it Um, and so um, whereas before I I didn't give any time or attention to that now I was hyper aware of that and so I, I did some research on the author and those who recommended the author on the back of her book and I quickly realized that she probably wasn't the this book probably wasn't the book for me was the author a false teacher Maybe, maybe not, but as I researched her more, I discovered that her background had more to do with acting and the ideas she presented in the book had more to do with her feelings rather than actual scripture. And so um, I put the book down and did some more research, asked for some help and found a book that was more suitable uh, for me. So now don't get me wrong, I love reading a good book and I love reading books from perspectives other than my own. But in this case, I was looking for a book to teach me something specifically that I wanted to know more about what the Bible had to say about it. And so I wanted, I was looking for someone um, whose uh, views were in line with the Bible and in line with mine. Um, And really, all of this wasn't super alarming. Nobody knew that I purchased the book. Nobody would have known if I did read it and if I saw it as truth. But that's exactly what Jude talks about in his book, and in the Bible, about false teachers creeping in unnoticed and how dangerous that can be for us as believers. So overall, I think going through the Jude Bible study um, helped me to be more vigilant with the leaders in my life, both the obvious ones, but also the less obvious ones as well.
1: So, if you don't know, that's uh, Amy Swift, one of our partners here at Mercy View, and um, what a cool story, right? Um, she couldn't have set up tonight any better as we think about what we're trying to do um, in this series. And um, let me just, just say, like, what she went through and what she experienced uh, and and really what the Lord did by His Spirit to help her discern uh what to listen to and not listen to is exactly the way that God can work whenever we get into his word. All right. And so I believe that as we continue to look at the, this book of Jude, and as you try to figure out like, okay, how do I do this in my life? The the spirit of God wants to help us. He is a helper and he can bring discernment whenever we come across something else that's uh, maybe, uh, you know, just we know this seems off or, or, or maybe like Amy said, like, um, <clears throat> I didn't really take some time on the front end to research and kind of talk to some trusted people. And and um, what Jude, what I think happened for Amy, and, and I heard this was really true for uh, the women in the study, um, the, the spiritual radar detector that we've been talking about was strengthened. The, the the discernment muscle that we've been talking about over the last thing was strengthened to the point that she was able to make with the spirit's help a call on man I should put I should put this book down I shouldn't read this particular book to help me with this thing that I'm wanting to learn and so tonight as we continue uh, on this theme um, we're gonna look at this next part of the book of Jude and and really I just want to invite you to see one thing as we do that and it's this the destination of a false teacher reflects the design of a false teacher. The destination of a false teacher reflects the design of a false teacher. So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, uh, keep them open to Jude, beginning there in verse 14. Now, before we jump into that verse, let's just again quickly review where we've been over the last few weeks. Very, just quickly, what we've done and what we've seen Jude do is build out for us a framework for how to discern who a false teacher is or isn't by giving us characteristics or, or things to look for uh, in a, a false teacher. And we've seen things like characteristics, greedy. We've also seen like, hey, we need to look at the fruit of their life. So both the, the doctrine and the outworking and the fruit of what's actually coming out of their their teaching. And I think Jude's trying to help us do two things. I think first, Jude is trying to help us practically, because a lot of us, I think, if we were to be asked the question, how do you do this? We would kind of, we might might be hard for us to answer that question. Jude is serving us to say, no, here's the grid. Here's what you can lay over uh, someone or something to try to determine whether they are a false teacher or this is false teaching. So it's super practical. But Jude is also doing a second thing. I, I think he's building out this robust framework because we shouldn't be quick to throw the yellow flag until there is verifiable evidence that someone is a false teacher. But what we've said is if we get to a place where we see that that is true, though it's a serious charge, sometimes the charge has to be made. Now this week, we shift in a different direction. We've, we've touched on it a little bit in the series, but we need to zero in on something in particular this evening. We've been talking primarily over the last few weeks about the design of or the makeup of a false teacher. But this week, we want to move more into what I'm calling the destination of a false teacher. And um, as we do that, let's just take a look real quickly at verse 14 again. I won't read that again, but um, when you see Jude say about these, at the very beginning of verse 14, he is referring to what we looked at last week when he gave us these vivid word pictures for who false teachers are. You might remember some of those, hidden reefs and Wandering stars, right? And in verses 14 and 15, though, he does something really curious. He quotes from a book that's not in our Bible. He quotes from a book called Enoch. Now, this book is what scholars call a pseudographical book. That's a fancy word. It just means this. It's a book written in the name of or attributed to someone who actually didn't write it. So this book is not, by the way, part of the Apocrypha, that part of literature that was written between the Old and New Testament. It's found in some Catholic and Eastern Orthodox Bibles. It's not in that category. So, but we can say it's not an inspired book. It's not in the canon of scripture, but here in Jude using it in the inspired scriptures, we can say, that this apparently is an accurate prophecy that Enoch gave, who was a real guy, and we're gonna show you where he comes from here in just a moment, and was preserved through the oral and written tradition uh, in the Bible through Jude. So let's just do this real quick. Who is Enoch? Well, if you go all the way back to Genesis, right, we're almost at the end of the Bible in Jude. We gotta go all the way back to Genesis to learn about Enoch. And Enoch is identified in Genesis as the seventh from Adam. Now, there is another Enoch, and if you go back there, you'll see it was the son of Cain mentioned in Genesis 5, but there's another Enoch that shows up right away in Genesis 5, and it says this. You may remember this when we did our series in Genesis. It says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Let me just say that again. Uh, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's a little cryptic. Right, But here's what it means. It means that Enoch didn't die. He takes a walk with God and he just kind of walks right into eternity, right into paradise, into God's presence. So what was Enoch's prophecy that that Jude writes of, of here now that we know who he is? Well, we just read it, it's this simply, it's a prophecy of judgment. In fact, this isn't the first time Jude has talked about this judgment in this little book. In verse 4, right, it says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. He's talking about false teachers. In in verse 6, he talks about those angels who are kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of of the great day. In verse 7, Jude says that these false teachers will undergo a punishment of eternal fire. The false teachers at the end of verse 13, it says, have reserved for themselves gloom of utter darkness. So Jude is trying to be super clear. The language is unmistakable. He's using strong language to talk about the destination of false teachers. False teachers have been ordained long before to condemnation. They are awaiting the final sentencing and the judgment of that great judgment day, but they are already go undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. And Jude has already said in this book that at the, This place of fire, paradoxically, is a place where black darkness lasts forever as well. So what is Jude doing? Jude, again, is wanting our spiritual radars to be up as we discern the design of a false teacher because the destination of a false teacher is a future of eternal punishment. In other words, Jude is saying this is serious. Now, as we think about this, one of the questions that I've been wrestling with this week is like, what's Jew's point in describing this for us? Like, why keep harping on the idea of judgment and eternal punishment? Um, Well, it's one thing to to think about uh, a false teacher, right? I think that's part of the problem. We're like, well, of course, Right, Of course a false teacher, that's sort of their, their destination. But I, I wonder if part of what Jude is trying to do is press on us this question. Do we believe in the idea of judgment? Now look, we, we just said that he is showing us how dangerous a false teacher is. If this is the destination of false teachers, we can know God, that's how he feels about false teaching. He has reserved the severest eternal punishment for them. They are so dangerous, they are so destructive that the most vivid and condemning language is being used here to speak of them. And we are absolutely supposed to see that. But I think Jude is pressing in on something else for us here. And it's this, do we believe in the idea of judgment? Like in our culture today, we um, are led to believe that you get one shot, right? This, this life that we live is one life that you get to live, so live it up, have fun, because it, it doesn't really matter what you do. You can do the most debaucherous stuff. It doesn't matter because in the end, we're just gonna die. It doesn't matter. And though Christians know that this isn't true, at least we, we're supposed to know that's not true, We believe that everyone lives into eternity. This isn't the only life we live, and some will be destined for an eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. Some are destined for an eternity in hell. The mentality from the world, from the culture, can very easily seep into the church, and we can get kind of lulled into this live-for-the-moment mentality. So... Here's the problem with that. If we get lulled into that, we are actually denying what the writer of Ecclesiastes says, which is eternity is written on all of our our hearts. And if there is an eternity, you and I as Christians are to have an eternal perspective. And a part of that eternal perspective is there is a judgment day. There is a judgment day. And Jude shows us here, as do many of the biblical writers and Jesus himself and his ministry, that there is coming a day where you and I will be judged. So how can we better understand this? How do we embrace this reality, this truth? Well, I, I really would love to spend a ton of time talking about this because this is one of those issues that I think is we're underserved in the church on. Like what is the, what does it mean for God Jesus to judge at the end of time, what is the judgment day? You actually see some different kinds of judgments in the end days. But let me just simply just say it this way. What Jude is talking about here, what a lot of the biblical writers are talking about, and what Jesus talks about in his ministry is that there is coming a final judgment after death at the end of time where everyone will stand before God and he will render judgment on our lives again there's a lot of places we could look Revelation 20 is probably the most vivid description of that and what we see here in Revelation 20 is that no one escapes judgment now there's much more we could say but the question in front of us is do we believe that how should our knowledge and belief in that affect our spiritual lives So I just wanna shoot straight with you. In, In light of the high stakes involved, your eternal destiny, it is essential that you make sure that you are prepared for that today. So the question is, are you? Because the reality is, is that we are all guilty of sin. How can a guilty sinner have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, as it says in Revelation 20, and stand before Jesus in that final judgment and be pronounced not guilty? How can a sinner be justified before a holy and righteous God and avoid his wrath? Romans 5.1 says it this way, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, I don't want you to miss this. The person who has faith in Christ, who has trust in Christ's work for them, who's confessed, yes, I'm guilty, but Jesus stood in my place for my guilt. I place my trust in him. That person has been justified by God, or maybe said another way, they have already had their judgment day. It's rendered. It's as if the final judgment that would have happened on Judgment Day has been rendered in advance. All who have faith in Christ are declared righteous and their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They have nothing, nothing to fear on Judgment Day because their punishment has already been taken by Christ on the cross. But the inverse is true as well. For the person who has rejected God for a lifetime, placed their faith in themselves on judgment day, they will be resigned to to an eternity apart from the grace of God. Now, I've shared this with you before. One of the things that I grew up uh, being taught and believed, I think, for a bit even in my ministry here at Mercy View, was that hell was a place where unbelievers are separated from God. That's not true, but here's what what that means. What hell is, in part, why it's hell, is that unbelievers still have a knowledge of God, but they have no access to the grace of God anymore. So in that sense, you're not separated, like you just don't know anymore, sort of like, you know, just ignorance. No, you will know there is still a God, but your ability to receive the grace of God is... Done. You will not have that after this moment, after the judgment day. So the inverse, unfortunately, is true for those who've rejected Jesus, who've said, I want to be judged by my works. But Galatians 2 says, The works of the law, no flesh can ever be justified. No amount of good works or the keeping of God's law will ever be sufficient to atone for your sin. All of our thoughts, all of our words, actions will be judged against God's perfect standard. And if we have not placed our faith and trust in the perfect life and death of Jesus, there is no reward. There is only eternal condemnation and punishment. Can I be honest with you? I don't want to believe in hell. But as another author, a pastor said it, jettisoning hell also demands that we reassess the sinfulness of humanity. And I would just say it more personally, jettisoning hell demands that I assess whether I really think I'm sinful and that my sin, I can atone for it or I need somebody else to. In other words, to believe that we won't face judgment, we would have to believe that we're not so bad or that God isn't so holy. And once we believe that we're not so bad or that God isn't that holy, then we start to think that maybe Jesus didn't have to pay the penalty for my sin. Pretty soon, this is the slippery slope. We may be no different than a false teacher. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Pretty soon we think we can handle Satan in our own strength We think we can stand without Jesus We find ourselves joined with people that Jude is warning us against Friends we actually have a model in Jude that we can follow The Archangel Michael in verse 9 you heard Lauren read earlier rebukes the devil Right In the midst of all of this super heavy, serious language about judgment and characteristics of false teachers, we actually have a, a picture of someone who does the right thing. We are going to, as believers, to, we're going to have to contend with false teaching, which verse 9 says comes from the devil. The picture of what Michael is contending for here is our picture. It's the picture of of what we see Jesus do in the wilderness against the devil as well. Jesus through the scriptures said over and over and over to the the devil, I rebuke you, which is what Michael says here in verse nine. And friends, sometimes our responsibility will be the same. Will we rise to the moment when that happens? Will our discernment muscles be strong enough like they were for Amy in, in her story to see it? Will we have our spiritual detectors on? Friends, this is serious business. Jude's message is so relevant for us in the time that we live. We must contend and confess. We must detect and defend. And we must do this from a place of love for both the truth, but people. Eternity stands in balance let's pray together